Hello and welcome to the OCR Exams podcast, where we'll be chatting with a range of guest speakers from the world of education. My name's Anthony, I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. Here at OCR, we're committed to supporting teachers and exams officers at every step of their journey with us. We're also here to help our students reach their full potential, and some of our podcasts will feature tips and advice on revising, preparing for exams, and managing mental health. Please remember to like, comment on and subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're using and be sure to follow our other social media channels. We're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Just search for OCR exams. You can also find a range of subject specific blogs on our website, ocr.org.uk forward slash blog. So let's get started with today's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the OCR podcast. My name is Tom Genelard and I'm the subject advisor for sociology and criminology here at OCR. Today I'm going to be chatting to my guests about Black History Month and what it means to them. We first started celebrating Black History Month back in the UK in 1987. The focus was intended to recognise the often overlooked contribution and achievements of those with African or Caribbean heritage. But it's also become a really good opportunity for people to learn more about the effects of racism and how to challenge negative stereotypes. So in today's podcast, my guests will be sharing their tips and advice for teachers and students on how to create a diverse, inclusive community and they'll also suggest ways to overcome challenges and negative experiences. So let me introduce you to my two guests. First up is Yolandi Harrowell. Yolandi is the assistant head teacher and director of sixth form at the Erswick School in London. Yolandi is also the co-chair of the OCR Equality, Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging Advisory Board. So hi Yolandi, thanks for joining us. Hi Tom, thanks for having me. And also joining us is Ruth Laslett. Ruth is the Head of Visual and Performing Arts at Long Road Sixth Form College in Cambridge. Hi Ruth, thank you for joining us. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> okay, so let's get started. First question is, what does Black History Month really mean to you? Oh, do you want to go first, Ruth? I can do mine's very short and sweet because it you know I think for me it's the crucial things which is to celebrate blackness and to celebrate uh, celebrate black achievement for mm. me that's what it is and it's about me feeling comfortable to be out there and just be me yeah great so I couldn't agree more with you Ruth and I feel for me um I feel like it's evolved for me over the years as I've grown as I've grown up from being a uh an second generation migrant student at school to uh, still being a second generation migrant senior leader and all the other hats that I wear um, but I feel now for me it's um, very much about the story of blackness uh, for me whether it be my blackness the blackness of other people and experiencing the world through that lens because when I was younger I'll be honest with you it was all about Jell-off rice, planting at school instead of fish and chips. And now <laughs> it's become this really important opportunity to really celebrate and educate uh, people around our experience. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
And um, I suppose the next one is who inspires you both the most? Uh, well, I think for myself, because I, um, I'm a creative person, I've, I think throughout my life I've focused on black creatives. And also because my education um, has been around um, art and um, sort of applied art, visual arts, um, and occasionally through music. But it, for me, it's, it's a, an American artist called Ellen Gallagher. And I really, I've always been inspired by her work. We're a sort of similar generation. But what I really like about her work is that she she produces really beautiful pieces that uh, have got a really dark and, and deep and meaningful purpose in life. And I think what she tries to do is challenge racial stereotypes and inequalities. And what I really like about her work is you, you it, it, you might not know that when you look at it, but if once you know, you think, wow, and you can each time you look at her work, you get different meanings and you can create different concepts from looking at the work, different times of the day. And I, I just think she's brilliant. So she's brilliant. my inspiration. <laughs> Makes you think when you're looking at it, I suppose. Yeah, but I think yeah. because it's a lot of the um, content is quite dark and sad, but she celebrates it by producing beautiful images yeah, and I, I think through seeing that when I did my master's in fine art I sort of incorporated that and I had that similar sort of strong vision so yeah. to um, revisit something that's dark and sad and tragic you don't actually then have to regurgitate it as dark sad and tragic you can celebrate lots of things around it and that's why I would say that she was an inspiration to me. Mm, great Yolandi what about you? actually on a very similar theme because I found <laughs> something um, out very dark and tragic from my family history. So to, to answer your question, first of all, straight off the bat, it's my mum. And I, I think uh, for a lot of people, when you're trying to think of an assembly, for example, to inspire young people for Black History Month, you go for your usuals, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, etc. Yeah. If you if you then make it more British, you think of Harold Moody, who would be the, um, sort of the equivalent to Rosa when it comes to the Montgomery um, bus boycott in the UK. Obviously, we had yeah. ours up in the Midlands. Now, for me, why is it my mum? Because again, it was, I think when I was growing up, uh, being a migrant or an immigrant or anyone who was African, it wasn't cool at all. And I, I was saying this in, in an assembly. Um, and when I actually started to feel that being being African was cool was when I learned about Chinua Achebe, who is an Igbo author, the author of Things Fall Apart, um, and also one of the poems on the anthology many moons ago um, called Vultures. And through that, I could then explore my own family's history, uh, being from the Igbo tribe in Nigeria. And unpicking that, I found a book of his called uh, There Was a Country. And in that book, he tells his story, his version of events of the Biafran War, which is a civil war that happened in Nigeria. And there was a country for all of three years called Biafra. Um, much like we had a uh, band-aid to sh try and save um, many people all over the world. The <laughs> Americans were throwing concerts to try and save the, the Igbo babies that were being starved in, in Nigeria. And I had no idea about this growing up. And little did I know that both my parents were children during that war, teenagers even. So it was quite um, shocking to me that something so so dark in their lifetime was something that I was that they never shared with me. So why is she my um, why does she inspire me? Because coming from that dark time to be the magnificent, you know, former 
middle leader. She's uh, taught from mainstream primary, secondary, um, special needs schools. She really inspires me in education. So, and oh, so you she followed followed oh, in yeah. her footsteps. Wow, huge footsteps to follow, definitely. Yeah, yeah. sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, what is it like being a black teacher in Britain? Is is the next thing I'd want to know, if possible. Uh, shall I go? I, I guess I'll go. Um, I think for me, it's fantastic. Um, there's lots of challenges in teaching anyway, and I feel in a position of privilege and in, in a sense power because I'm, I'm in a position where I can influence students um, and, and they can see me being successful, happy, um, in my position being creative. Um, and for me, it's, it's fantastic. I really like and I love being a black teacher. Yeah, I celebrate by my blackness and it comes out in my teaching and it comes yeah, out in the artists that I get the students to look at. So it's yeah. interesting as well, because you both come, you're both teaching in very different schools, probably in very different areas as well. So mm. I think that's quite interesting. Sorry, you let go on. No, I was just going to say in relation to um, what you said about black creatives, there aren't very many visible black creators where students can actually say actually I can see the pathway into that mm. um when you grow up um as um as a black young person your parents often lean on careers and degrees that lead to jobs so accountant lawyer teacher we've spoken about these things before and the, the joy and passion that you get of being a black teacher is seeing that child's face when you're standing at the gate when they come into the classroom oh my god Mrs. Black like they, <laughs> the, that, they, they feel immediately at ease because they feel like they'll be understood and they'll be uh, seen for who they are and actually some of the challenges and, and differences that they might experience will be seen and understood and it and it allows them to to show different sides of themselves and, and Ruth I love what you said there about um, you know you celebrate your blackness in your classroom the artists that you choose and it only takes that just to allow the children to see actually there are people who look mm. like me who do incredible things too so there's no reason why you couldn't be an artist or a creative just because mm. your parents can't share that narrative that yeah. journey with you you know. And just, I was just going to say, just to add on to that, and also the non-black uh, students, mm. they can also see that black people can do really well. Because actually, as Tom was sort of alluding to, that mm. I'm in a very a predominantly white sixth form, you know, and white colleagues, mm. um, white managers, white heads, mm -hmm. or, you know. So mm -hmm. I, my difference is very obvious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um but I embrace it and it's just, yeah. and I, you know, when I walk around the college, I get the eye contact from the black students mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, as you say, oh, God, thank God for that. They know yeah. that somebody <laughs> has actually made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's great. Okay, so unfortunately only 1% of head teachers in the UK are black at the moment. Um, but so many schools and colleges have such a diverse student base. So why do we think in 2022 we are still battling issues around identity and issues around finding acceptance within schools and colleges? Um, and oh. I've kind of elaborate. I know there's a lot to go with there. So maybe we, yeah. we pick it. We go with that first. What do we think? Why is it so? Why are the issues still there, do we think? I think um, just to jump in, I think that it's a very complicated issue and it's a complicated issue because it comes from diff uh, many different sort of facade so first of all you've got the imposter syndrome which follows people of color 
going into jobs uh, of leadership positions straight off the bat. So you've already got that issue. So they look at a job spec and they think, dear God, I can't do that. Research shows that um, women um, will look at a job description and if they can't tick off more than 40% of what's on there, sorry, if they can't tick off everything that's on the job spec, they're not going to apply for it. In contrast, a male, we're looking at the same job spec, even if they can just do 40%, they will still apply for the job. So not only have you got the intersection between the, the, the gender um, sort of imposter syndrome that you experience, the racial layer on top, you can only imagine how the figures of applications uh, will drop. You've then got the, the way that the institutions are set up to um, uh, ease these pathways of um, people going into leadership, because ultimately, we're not in those um, those pubs having those conversations because there are cultural differences of where these sorts of relationships that are built to for people to see, actually, well, I think you could be in my leadership team, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I think fundamentally, we need to come at it at all angles. Number one, educators need to understand that leadership is an outcome for teaching. Becoming a teacher isn't the end be all and end all. And I always say that I get very frustrated with the DFE's um, advertising uh, campaigns for people trying to encourage people to come into teaching because they make it look like your career begins and ends with you being in a classroom teaching kids. That is a, the bread and butter. I absolutely adore what I do and, and, and I will always be a teacher before I'm a leader. But ultimately me knowing that I could go into leadership and having people who championed me, mentored me, gave me guidance, explained what the pathway is, meant that. I could aspire, I could want more for myself than just being a classroom teacher. There is absolutely nothing wrong with staying a classroom teacher whatsoever, but it's nice knowing that if I wanted to, I could. There's an option. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Ruth, what would you think about that? Um, well, my experience is that I think it stems back to how I felt at school, how I was treated at school. And I was, again, you know, in a, an environment where I was the only black child. Um, black student so I think if you're if you're treated with respect it helps you gain respect for yourself and then you feel that ability to be able to go that one step further so my own experiences of you know my own experience of coming into Long Road at, at that point and not actually going starting as a teacher and going through I, I actually my career sort of fell quite quickly because I came into Ooh. teaching later than no not straight from university I think it was just ha having that ability to look at something, think, wow, that's an amazing job. Shall I go for it? And I thought, and I, the people around me said, yeah, do it, do it. And I got the job. And, you know, I, to be honest, I didn't really think about my blackness. I just thought about me. And I thought, can I do that? And I think because I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have people around me that really respect me and throughout my life, that's enabled me to get to where I am. But without that, it, you know that that's when I think as Yolanda says it becomes really difficult to have that confidence to think I, I am black and I can do this because a lot of people still think I am black and nobody wants me and I won't be able to do that or they won't be interested in me yeah. well it's interesting you both say all of that because I've you know one question uh, a black friend of mine has asked me to ask you actually um, and hopefully he won't mind me saying this but that they're a real powerful force of you know great energy but they do battle with self-confidence and they do battle with imposter syndrome as well yeah what would what would you both say to someone who worries they are where they are just because they're black 
<laughs> That's a tough <laughs> that one, I mean. <laughs> so essentially, the elephant in the room is, do you want to be the token black person who's appointed for a position because of that? And, I, and I be honest, I'll be honest with you, I'm really struggling with this line that you see at the end of job descriptions at the minute. And I don't know what impact mm. it's actually having. And I don't want to speak, I'm not speaking for everyone because black people aren't a monolith, but it's something that I'm thinking about is because I feel like because this line, and just to be specific, what I'm talking about at the end of job descriptions at the minute, they, everyone often says, you know, we welcome applications from. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now, God, I, know. I, I understand the sentiment. I really do. But it automatically makes me feel like, so I'm going to get the job because I'm black, not because I'm any good. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> just because I am black, just because I may be the first and only person of colour on your board of trustees um, chairing, a, 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 you know, the EDIB board or um, on an SLT table does not mean that I am the voice, the face, the explanation for, the translator for all black people you're going to experience. So what would my advice be to your friend? Don't be afraid to call it out and just say, mm. you know, what is your reason for wanting me? I want to be very clear that you've looked at my my attributes and you can see yes. And don't get me wrong, my blackness definitely is a positive because I bring diver, diver, divergent thinking, but or a different style of thinking that perhaps someone else on, on the board or around the table might not have. Um, but I think fundamentally, just have the conversation. Don't be afraid to have it. Mm. I mean, do you think there's still, do you think, I mean, following on for that, do you think there's still a lot of black teachers who are genuinely concerned that, that maybe this isn't something that they're, they're entitled to? And as a result of that, they, they don't apply for kind of senior position jobs. I think that is the case. Mm. Uh, but but going back to my own experiences, because, you know, I, I, I know I know what I think and I've, you know, obviously got ideas of what other people think. But um, it's I know that I got I am the, you know, the token black person, but I know that I got that job through sheer hard work, mm -hmm. education, qualification, attitude and a really good track record and being ambitious. That's why I got the job. And that is all there is to it. You know, it, and, and it just so happens that I'm black and black female. Mm -hmm. but just and that's what people that, need think, to concentrate on you know yeah. oh, 100% 100% but I also think that sometimes we can um black people can have this um feeling that we must we can't fail we cannot get something wrong before we get something like we have to have the stellar track record the experience etc etc where others yeah. don't <laughs> um and so I suppose the follow-up message I would I would like to leave with that would be um if you feel that you're ready if you think you even have the capability, the drive, um, and perhaps, you know, the, the capacity and the willingness to learn. There is no reason why, like any other candidate, mm. you can't put yourself forward because you're willing to put the effort and the work in. You don't have to do every other job for free before you're then considered for a post. Like, don't wait for that. Don't get the, the long track record, record sheet and then you have this sense of sort of jaded resentment because no one's picked up on it beats blow mm. your own trumpet and don't be afraid <laughs> to put yourself forward and take the feedback mm. i mean so what what do we think schools and colleges can do to maybe create a bit more of a diverse inclusive kind of community feeling because i know you know there's centers and schools up and down the uk that will do things very differently but have you got any maybe ideas about what you think maybe schools and colleges can do as i said to kind of create 
that bit more of that community feeling? Um, well, I, the, I put a few, I sort of made a few notes because I thought, oh, yeah, you know, these questions are it's the sort of thing you don't think about every day because either you assume it's happening or that you realise it's not. And then you think, OK, what can I do about it? Yes. And I think it's for me, it's to make things like the curriculum and it more um, visually, visually obvious what we're doing. So I know that I've just said about five minutes ago about the all the black practitioners that um I introduced to students and maybe even I you know could do more I think just making it more the curriculum more visible um the context you know the black blackness learning the equalities inequalities um so yeah that for me it's almost getting it sorry getting it through your curriculum not kind of just oh I'm doing something because it's black yeah, history or month just as well po- yeah know, so putting it a po- everywhere yeah, absolutely putting a poster up in reception <laughs> to show black history and then you know and then taking it down when it's over yeah that's no good you know no. It, it's a starting point but it needs to stay there and then evolve and develop and grow and that's probably what's not happening it's once a year and then it stops and then it starts again the following year. And I think we just need to think about ways in which we can, it can be all the time. So, it's you know, it's clear that it's not a paragraph at the end of a job application or, you know, um, at the end of a student um, questionnaire. It's there in your face and it's part of everyday uh, school life. No, I couldn't agree more with you, Ruth. Um, I think fundamentally from a it need, first of all it has to come from top down as well as bottom up yeah. um any any sort of influence or change in that regard and i think it's really important that schools and institutions remember that if you're reflecting on your school body and uh, the way the school's made up from the leadership down to uh, the cleaning staff inclusive to that let alone the students etc is your school a, a microcosm for the society that you want to see in the future because if it's not then you need to do something about it change does not happen overnight because it'd be a shock to everybody's system and no one needs a culture shock in their own backyard um but there needs to be intentional planning and change uh, for that to happen and as i say it has to come from top down bottom up what can that look like it could be that uh, that ect who's trying to ensure that uh, the the families that we talk about in a Spanish lesson aren't all mother father. There can be single parents. There can be single fathers. There could be same sex parents. There could be um, an Ali as well as there's an um, Ade as well as there is a Mary. Uh, the little things like that to raise the visibility and the usualness of diversity is really powerful and important and and can be felt by the students. It's about the people that you invite into the school. Um, because no matter how much you want to diversify a school in Norfolk, if there aren't black people living in Norfolk, it's not going to be a diverse body of staff and it won't be right for those students. It doesn't stop that white leadership team, those white teachers, in showing the children that outside of Norfolk, we have a diverse community that we, that I hope you go and travel to. I hope you go to the United States, to India, to Asia. Why not? There's no reason why you couldn't go to Africa and travel the world and for you to understand that and be open to that um and accepting of that honestly you need to be exposed to that and that's why as educators we have that social responsibility to ensure that our students do understand that diversity is the world that we live in it's not just the month that we celebrate it in 
in October here or February in the United States. Totally agree. Um, okay, so what motivates you every day to work with young people? Oh, uh, I would say um, it's the teachers I had when I was at school and university, although they weren't black, they encouraged me, supported me, treated me like for just for being me. And I've just managed to keep that motivation, take that with me. And I know that having a really good teacher or a sort of figure that you that can inspire you to very an age where you are open to lots of suggestions and guidance. I think that has made a massive difference for me. I just had really positive experiences. And I think, um, as I said before, believing in being able, somebody, people have enabled me to believe in myself and it's helped me to then um, help others to believe in their selves. So that's what motivates me. I enjoy um, being in the role where I can motivate people, young people. Um, I, I, without sounding like I'm literally going to parrot exactly what you said, Ruth, it's essentially the same message. I think when you've had it was a good answer. experiences, it really was. It really was. I, can't, I, I mean, Ruth, I'm just going to plagiarise you now, and, and there's nothing to do about it. So. Um, no. I had an incredible time at secondary school. It's lit I know people say the university the best years of their life. For me, secondary school, hands down, was my best experience. Um, incredibly diverse uh, staff body. The head teacher was a black uh, woman. Um, for all of the impact that she's had on, on in education, she was awarded an OBE, like an incredible, incredible leader. Um, the teaching staff, uh, down to the cleaning staff, everyone was super diverse alongside the students. And it just felt like we could be whatever we were seen as humans. And regardless of our backgrounds, the estates, the single parents, the, the financial woes, we were all capable of doing whatever it is we wanted to do with hard work. And that is the same message as a teacher now that I push forward because I can see the potential in every young person that I work with, whether it be the potential to, to have their own business, the potential to go to university, the, uh, the potential to do a, an apprenticeship, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just watching them understand and believe that that potential is true is phenomenal to me so it keeps me going right well i mean both of you are obviously living proof of what you're encouraging others to do which is get out there do your bit make a difference when you're when you're mentoring young people or giving a talk how do you explain to them how to cope with the challenges or perhaps overcome any negative experiences that they might have um, well, I can only emphasise, I think, just encouraging young people to believe in themselves and um, celebrate their difference or even reflect on their perceived difference and not shy away from feeling different because the bit difference is not a negative thing. Well, we know it's not because we're, you know, we're living proof that it's 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 positive. It can have a positive effect on our own lives and other people's lives around us. Um, there's one line that always sticks in my head and I, I say it to every student and they parrot it back to me when they're upset. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, miss. Um, but and it's the truth. And it is that you've survived 100 percent of your bad days. And it's really easy when everything's feeling good that you forget that, but you have survived 100% of your bad days. So you've already shown yeah. to yourself that you are resilient and that you're a survivor and that you can overcome. So you've got the power. What can I do to help you get there today? 
Okay, so finally, is there like one final piece of advice that you would give young black people who are currently studying for their GCSEs or A-levels, one kind of takeaway bit of golden advice that, that both of you would give them? Um, well, it'll always be believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, other people will believe in you and work really hard and you will <laughs> achieve You'll achieve your goals if you work really hard and believe in yourself. Mine would be, that's it, but it's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the most important thing for me is to find what you care about. And when you find what you care about, invest in yourself and work to achieve it. Great. Well, um, that is it for our Black History Month podcast. Um, a huge thank you to Ruth and Yolandi for joining me. It has been absolutely fabulous to, to listen to all of it. To everyone else listening, I hope you really found the episode interesting. Uh, please don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and students. And please get in touch with us if you need any further support. Um, All our contact details and social media channels can be found at ocr.org.uk forward slash contact. Thank you.